Hey, how you doing, everyone? Welcome to our EA Sports uh, podcast. I'm Ethan, and Anch is with me today. Anch, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Ethan? I'm doing excellent. Uh, Anch, how did you uh, feel about the feedback that we got from um, our first video? It was amazing. Uh, I sent it out to friends and other people who listened to it. I mean, you guys, the feedback was amazing. We had 45 views, and it's available on Spotify, Google, Apple, and whatever sort, whatever platforms... Um, that are supported by Anchor. So it was amazing. And now we're back here a couple days later to do another one. I'm frankly even more excited for this one. I have a blast doing these. Just I could pump these out so so often. I just have a great time. So when, when, when we're on this whole um, sports kick, why don't we dive into baseball? Uh, yeah, we started with basketball last time, so I guess we have to start with the new one, right? Exactly. For all your baseball fans out there, uh, Shin Shu Chu, a name that might be familiar to you, plays on the Rangers. He was playing against the Tigers today in the ninth inning. Had beat out an infield hit. He got an infield single to extend his 47-game on base streak, which is actually a Rangers record, so a team record that he holds there. And the Rangers end up beating the Tigers 3-0. Looking at the standings around the league, Red Sox are on top of the Yankees by one and a half games, close division. Astros on top of the Mariners by four. Braves, this is the tightest division in baseball. This one's so interesting. And Anch... We're going to have to look at this one really closely down the stretch and into the postseason. Yeah, we'll keep looking at it. I'm, is also the AL East, isn't that a tight one? Like the top two, like the Yankees and Red Sox are like the two best teams in baseball. And they're yes. fighting for the number one spot. And really whoever gets in second place, they lock up that first wild card spot in the AL. And so the AL isn't really competitive for the wild card because either the Red Sox or Yankees will get the first wild card spot. Yeah, it, it's a really a already done deal for me in the AL. Red Sox, in my opinion, are going to win. It's either them or the Yankees. Right. Astros, I think they have the West. Braves, I think they are going to beat out and win, win in the um, in the National League. Oh yeah. And um, really, there's a lot of told tales. Right. But um, it's going to be interesting, especially with these close divisions. And then the Brewers in the NL Central are one and a half games above the Cubs, and the Diamondbacks are one game in front of the Dodgers. So. Very interesting. A lot of close divisions. We're going to have to really keep an eye on those. I'm frankly surprised the Diamondbacks are doing this well. Because they lost J.D. Martinez in free agency, which was a big blow to them, I feel like. He had a great season coming from the trade deadline for Detroit. And then they come out and they're ahead in the division, ahead of the Dodgers, a team that made the World Series last year, which is pretty insane. I think that's amazing. A lot of their players are having great years. Paul Goldschmidt, Zach Granke, two players that should be performing at a high caliber, and they are. So that's really what they need, and the formula there in Arizona is just working right now. Yeah. And right now, we're just I'm going to dive into just the hottest players. Mark Reynolds plays for the Nationals. They picked him up on free agency on a short contract. He's a 12-year veteran. He, is the, he set a record. He is one of 15 in MLB history to have 10 RBIs in a game, and he set that in their 18-4 win over the Marlins, and he went 5-for-5. Five five. How difficult is that, Anch, to hit for 10 RBIs and go 5-for-5 five five in a Major League Baseball game? Did you just say 18 runs? <laughs> 18. They scored 18. I don't know. Speechless. I mean, like, you just said, they signed him to a short-term contract. They picked him off free agency, which means he wasn't playing well, and he just comes out and hits 5-for-5. Uh, five five. And I also saw he's 6-for-6 six six in the last two games they've played, yeah. technically. He is on fire. He yeah. is the hottest national right now. For actually a very struggling Nationals team yeah. who finds himself five games behind the Braves. What is your reaction to the Nationals being so far behind in the in the East? You know, the Nationals, they should definitely be playing a lot better than this. They have Bryce Harper, who's the 
who's arguably the best player in baseball. I say arguably because yeah. I feel like you can make an argument for a couple other players. Absolutely. But especially, I don't know what it is. I'm going to call this, you know, kind of the Washington curse. It's kind of like relating to all sports. The Wizards, you know, they, they'll do good in the regular season and they'll, um, that is a great and they'll, point. And they'll choke in the playoffs. The Capitals before this year, because they just won the Stanley Cup, they, they'd always struggle in the playoffs, and this was the first year they made it to pass the second round and then the Stanley Cup. And then the Nationals, they do so well in the regular season, well, not this year, but and they just don't perform in the playoffs. Yeah, they can't get past uh, good teams in the right. early rounds. They, they have not been in the World Series in a little while. So. It's, I mean, it's a shame considering you're, they're kind of wasting away Bryce Harper's prime. I mean, Bryce Harper is such a good player, and I think he, he deserves to win a World Series. Absolutely. Uh, going to another hot player in the MLB, Alex Bregman for the Astros. Go Astros. I'm a big fan. He has 17 home runs on the season. And in the last 21 games, he has nine home runs, nine doubles, and he has the longest hit streak in the AL at 12 games. The Astros are cruising on top of the division, four games over the Hot Mariners, and their pitching staff is fabulous. Dallas Keuchel coming back to form. They have Charlie Morton. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, throw very, all of them high-velocity, high-intensity pitchers, all playing fabulous. You can look at the ERAs around the board. Houston has the best ERA in the major leagues, and that is why they're winning along with their hot offense. Isn't, isn't Garrett Cole your cousin? He is, actually. He is my cousin. Not, uh, not too close, but, you know, it's, it's always fun to say. It's fun to root for him. Yeah. And I really, uh, that really pulls me into the Astros. It makes me a really big you know, fan. You're a good pitcher yourself, so I think it's kind of interesting that you know your cousin is a very is like a top pitcher in the in the um, MLB, and then you're you're a good pitcher yourself. So I mean, I like to say it runs in the family. Yeah, exactly, but... <laughs> exactly. That's uh, no, that's yeah, interesting. it is interesting that um, it, and I didn't even start liking baseball or playing baseball because of him. It's more just because uh, it really spoke to me. I kind of I loved the whole concept of baseball. And it was really so intriguing, and uh, it just happened to be that um, my cousin plays for the major, so I think that's really cool. And, Baseball uh, runs in your blood, Ethan. It does. It's running through my veins. <laughs> and just today in sports, uh, the Astros beat the uh, the the Sox two to one. The Twins beat the Orioles ten to one. The Pirates uh, were on top of the Phillies four to one. That's a good win for the Pirates who need victories, and that actually also helped the Braves. And the Marlins, and they beat the struggling Nationals 10-2. to The Marlins beat them. And uh, that is just – that's I mean, really how the season's been for the Nationals. I mean, they just won 18-4, to and then they just lost 10-2. to Like, how does that – how do you even do that? Like, Yeah, it's like – I don't even know. They're, they're just very inconsistent, I guess. And Are they even in the wild card? Like, would they be in the playoffs if the season ended today? The Nationals? Yeah. No. The Phillies are even on top of them. Then you have the Cubs and the Dodgers who are even – who are better uh, than the Nationals. The Nationals so, are yeah. the Nationals. Really, that's they're that's a disappointing team. If I'm a Nationals fan, I'd be very mad at my team right now, considering that we have Bryce Harper. It's like the Cavs, kind of like you got LeBron James or before like he signed with the Lakers. You had LeBron James and you couldn't bring him past like the finals. It's like yeah, you have this great player. Or actually, a better example would be the Kings. They had Demarcus Cousins and they couldn't do squat with him. Yeah. Like well, that. just hold your anger out. We might have to save it for our our, our Tigers. Oh, uh, we have enough problems there. You we know, we only have to worry about that. I like I like um I like getting mad at other teams so I, so it doesn't uh... <laughs> so we don't have to focus on our problems. Exactly. <laughs> but no. So fun fact on this day in sports, in 1909, to at this day, mm-hmm. 
the first pro minor league baseball game was played under the lights on this day. The first under the lights game today. And look at what it created. Now we have night games in baseball, football, and you just see now what really this, uh, the lights and this whole kind of invention yeah. really did for sports in which we can extend the time when we can play. We'll be having that um, kind of this day in sports thing. It'll be like a little bit of a, a one thing on our yeah. show that we'll have every time. Just kind of a little fun fact to throw it into is. the show. That is a fun fact. I did not personally know that. So it was very, very interesting to figure it out. I didn't know it either, Ethan. So and I, I also have one fact for uh, Tigers fans that might ruffle their feathers a little bit. Joe Jimenez, one of our relievers for the Tigers, was named to the All-Star team. So congrats to Joe. <laughs> Had a great season. Very good reliever. But Nick Castellanos, our hottest hitter, best player, did not make the All-Star team. How do you feel about that? Quite frankly, that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't tell you Castellanos' stats off the top of my head, but I know that he's definitely the best player on the Tigers right Oh, yeah. Now. He is a strong hitter, and they moved him to the outfield. He's not. He's never been the best defender. Yeah. But his offense has really exploded this year. Is he hitting in the 300s? He is hitting in the 300s with a decent amount of homers. Yeah. And he has been a really clutch hitter for the Tigers. I mean, like, is there any, like, player that you would say, like, made the all-star team that was kind of undeserving or, like... Frankly, Joe Jimenez. I didn't even know. I would take Castellanos over Joe. Yeah, I mean, being a Tigers fan, I would definitely take Castellanos over, yes. over Jimenez. So... There you go, fans. I just a little recap of what's going on in baseball, and I'll shoot it over to Ranch well, for um, some Wimbledon news. Yep, Wimbledon. Today's Middle Sunday. A little fun fact: Wimbledon is the only major to have this Middle Sunday, where no, there are no matches today, and the reason is for that is so the grounds crew can kind of maintain the grass. Grass is a very hard surface to maintain, and so they're trying to. So the Middle Sunday is that day that the grounds crew gets one whole day where the players don't play on the courts and they get to kind of revamp them for the second week of Wimbledon. And so, a little bit, yesterday, Rafael Nadal played D. Minar, a 19-year-old um, young gun who is uh, from Australia. Beat him 6-1, 6-2, 6-4. Nadal's been playing very well at Wimbledon. So I just have a comment on that. Yeah. Right, kind of a question. I see, since on our last broadcast, we also said he had a straight set win yes. against a person he also played. So is this that his competition's been really easy, or has he been playing great, or is it a mix of both? I believe it's a mix of both, because this is, um, the court conditions are favoring Nadal at the moment, because it's been very dry, and you know grass, when it's dry, it gets really hard, yeah. and so the ball bounces up a little higher, so that so that gives Nadal a bit, a bit more chance on his forehand, and so that's why he's playing better, the court conditions are favoring him, and that's really why we've seen these um, straight set wins for Nadal. So this dry grass kind of more mimics that clay feeling or that harder court feeling. Right. It's, it's not like very high, but it's like it reacts like a fast hard court kind of. Okay. And that's kind of giving Nadal a little bit of an advantage more on the grass. And for all our tennis, and for everyone who loves to play tennis, I have never played on a grass court, but I've heard from some friends of mine that it is truly a great experience if you're a tennis fan to really see what the people are experiencing playing in tournaments like the Wimbledon and it it, they say it's a blast and it's not like any tennis you've really ever played before and honestly like TV doesn't show you just how low the ball bounces and it's really ridiculous like I watched like a YouTube video and it showed me like how the surfaces react to the ball bounce and it's really something interesting like clay is a higher bounce and hardcore is kind of in the middle of grass and clay and then grass is just completely low yeah 
And Federer beat Struff of Germany, 6-3-7-5-6-2. And a little bit of a fun fact, he has not faced breakpoint once and has not dropped a set since at Wimbledon since 2016 when he lost to Milos Raonic. How insane is that? He has not dropped one set in two years. That's insane. You know, that just speaks to his consistency. Right. He is a consistent player who is right now at the top of his game at one of the top tournaments in the world. That is an amazing statistic. It's pretty much saying, like, you don't you don't lose a game in baseball. That's pretty much what it's saying. He might lose a game or two, but at the end of the day, he's winning every set. So he's getting the job done when he has to. That's an amazing statistic and great for him. And he's on the top of his game right now. Probably. Do you think he'll end up facing his arch rival? Well, yes. I think I think Federer and Nadal fans are definitely hoping that like 10 years later, after the greatest match ever, like I talked about last week, that they face each other 10 years later. And it's kind of insane. In 2014, Federer and Nadal both, they were kind of slowing down. And like Federer was doing like really bad. He had not won a major in a while. Nadal, after 2014, just it didn't seem like they'd come back. And now both of them are once again one and two ten years later. And I don't think I would have expected that ten years later. And Roger Federer is the favorite to win this. I think rightfully so. He won last year. And yeah, grass is his surface. Grass is his surface, right. And a little bit of uh, upset news. Alexander Zverev, a young a young player, but very good player from Germany. He hasn't really performed in majors. That's one thing people talked about. And he lost to kind of a veteran, Ernest Gobis from Latvia. He lost in five sets, seven, six... Four six five seven six three six zero. So that last set, I think he six, ran six zero. Yeah, that last set he lost six zero. See, like I, I'm hearing all these sets, and then that last one's like red light, red light. That right. one just like screams out to you six zero. Mm-hmm. That might tell me that he might need to work on his stamina. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm really worried because Federer and Nadal have won the last six majors, which is I mean it's good if you're a Federer and Nadal fan, but like they're not gonna play forever, which is one thing that I like I think to myself they're not gonna play forever. As much as it feels like it, they're not. And these young players just haven't shown that they're the next great generation of tennis. So if I would have, to, if you were to put your money on that next young, really that next hungry young player who can fill the shoes of the two greats, yeah. who is that player right now that will fill up that that spot? Honestly, Zverev. I mean, even though he lost, Zverev is like. Very good. I mean, I've watched him play not at not even at Wimbledon, but just at different tournaments. He plays very he plays very good tennis, and there's also a couple of young guys like Dominic Team. He played in the, his first major final against Rafa Nadal at the French Open in um, May, and I mean in June, and he lost. But you know, it showed he made the final, and then him and Zverev, I think, kind of they're going to be the next two best players in tennis, and Novik Djokovic. He can he was injured last year, and now coming back at Wimbledon, he beat Kyle Edmund, a Brit. In four sets, lost the first set four six, but then came back six three six two six four. Novak Djokovic is on the same side of the draw as Rafa Nadal, so they could meet up. I don't know quite which round they could meet up, but that could be kind of that block that could stop the Federer Nadal final. That, that would be a very wants. fun match, and I would be tuned in and watching the whole thing, probably with some, probably a few drinks yeah. and and some snacks there, because yeah. trust me, I know how long tennis can be, but. Right. That would be one I would really tune in for and really want to watch. So mm, Coffee. <laughs> so if that one happens, mm-hmm. I need to know about it because I, right. I want to watch it. I mean, we'll let the viewers know if it happens, right? Exactly. We will let you know. And that's it in tennis news. We're going to go on to the NBA news, some just free agent news and um, just like off-season news. Aaron Gordon signed back with the Magic for four years, $84 million. 
I think that's a good sign for the Magic. They need to get people to fill the seats. Right. Really, in uh, in Orlando, there's not many people that I'm like that. I'm really excited to go watch. Right. No offense to the Magic. I like uh, I like Gordon. I like Vucevic. Mm-hmm. Those are really the two players that are really drawing people in right now, and they need to be more competitive if they want to fill their stadium and really intrigue their fans. Well, Magic haven't been good. Since, I Magic haven't made the playoffs since Dwight Howard left, and that was. I think almost eight years ago yeah. that he left. I, I, I don't remember which year, but it's kind of the Magic's rebuilding process just hasn't been working. And I think that really they need to do something like the front office needs to do something. They need to make a big signing. One thing that didn't make sense to me a couple years ago when they traded Victor Oladipo, their young star, they traded him away for, for Serge Ibaka. And then they ended up trading Serge Ibaka that midseason. That didn't make any sense to me. I don't know what's going on there in Orlando. I agree. They have been giving up on their young talent. Like you said, Oladipo, Peyton. They, he was the guy that was going to come up for them. He was the guy who was going to revive their organization, right? They wanted him to come up and be a star. And, and then they trade him. Well, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think Alfred Payton, because I think Alfred Payton's kind of been very disappointing, personally. Because he can't really shoot the ball. He has, he's a good playmaker, but that's it. And but Victor Oladipo, that frankly made zero sense to me. They traded him for a bag of chips. Like that's that's what I have to say. They traded him for a bag of chips. Like nothing. Yeah. It, I didn't get that trade. It didn't make sense to me whatsoever to get Serge Ibaka. Who not nothing. No offense to Serge Ibaka, but Serge Ibaka's a little older. He is older, that's and he's not going to lead a team. He, no. He's a, he's a he's a piece. he's he's a good supporting cast. Exactly. And a little bit more magic news. A three team deal happened. Bismack Biombo went to the Hornets, Timofey Mozgov and Jaron Grant to the Magic, and Julian Stone from the Hornets to the Bulls. This three-team deal, I don't think the Bulls benefited much. I don't know who Julian Stone is personally, but Hornets, I like it. Biombo, he's going to fill that spot that Dwight Howard of left. vacated. Right. He's a good center. I like Biombo. I remember when he was in Toronto, and, I, and he's been playing well for the Magic personally. I mean, he's a great player. I mean, he's, he's not no star, but he's definitely a good player. Some more free agent signing news. Lo, Brooke Lopez signed a one-year contract for $3.4 million. And what do you have to say about that? If you guys could see me right now, my two thumbs are up in the air. I am a huge Milwaukee Bucks fan. And right now, that trade... Filled the spot in which they that their weakest position is the center. Oh, for sure. They have good pieces. Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, Giannis, Snell. He can shoot it. Mm -hmm. They're really their big struggle has been having a good rim protector and having someone that they can dish it down into the post to get an easy bucket. Brooke Lopez. I know he might have struggled in uh, Los Angeles, but going back to his days with the Nets. Going and seeing his skill sets and everything that he can do, he is a good player, a veteran player, and a player that I think could easily help them be a top right. contender in the East. I think that Brooke Lopez could just be that veteran presence that the Bucks need. I mean, the Bucks are a very young team. I mean, their oldest player, I think, is Jason Terry. But, like, otherwise, you know, if you look at their team through, they're very young. Maybe, like, maybe like five-year players or three-year, two-year. They're a very young team. So yeah. I think Brooke Lopez brings in that veteran, like – the experience that they kind of need there yeah. in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is a set team for the future. I mean, they're going to be competing in the East for a while with Philadelphia, Boston. Yeah. They're going to the, that they're going to be a team that I think to mess with. Giannis has said that he doesn't really want to leave. 
I mean, he said that he's probably not going to leave. So, I mean, you got the Bucks have him, but the Bucks need to put some talent around him, which they've done a pretty good job of. But last year in the playoffs, Eric Bledsoe underperformed a lot, and I think that's one of the reasons they, they were bounced. So with the acquisition of Lopez, who's going to get the starting nod at the big man position? Personally, I would put Lopez. because Me as well. I mean, Thonmaker kind of had a disappointing season last year. John Henson is not the best center in the world, so I, I'd honestly start him. It just doesn't make sense to me to start anyone else. Maybe Maker coming off the bench, or like even putting Maker at the four and moving Snell out of the lineup and putting Giannis at the three. I agree. Maybe like that. But, you know, small ball lineups are kind of more common than NBA, so I doubt that would happen. And Brooke can, Brooke can shoot it, so he also extends the court for you. He's Brooke. not just that guy where you have to post up or just uh, rely on him for rebounds. He's a guy who can stretch the court, shoot the three if he's open, and still be effective in uh, down low. So, good player, good acquisition. Great player. Um, Dwight Howard was actually – was there was a trade that happened with Dwight Howard where he went to the Nets. Nets bought him out, and the Wizards signed him. Wizards, I think, recently – I don't know if they released or they traded – oh, no, they traded Martian Gortat for Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers. So, I think Dwight Howard fills that void that Gortat left. And – that's real. I think that's a really good, really good sign by the Wizards. So the Nets bought out Dwight. Howard. Yes. Do you think it's because they're trying to keep it open for Allen? Because I know Allen's a rising star at the center. Jared Allen, yes. They like him. Do you think that's what they're doing? Because I can't see any other reason not to keep Dwight Howard. Personally, I don't even know what the Nets are doing. I mean, the Nets, I feel like, are one of the dysfunctional teams in the they, it just doesn't make sense to me what they're doing. I can't comprehend. It's not like he is struggling. Dwight Howard had a g- great season last year. Looking at his statistics, he was his points were very good, and his rebounds were high compared to centers, and it, he's still blocking shots. He was averaging a double-double, I believe, wasn't he? Yeah. And his blocks were still on the higher end of centers. I can't see why they would, not, why, why they would give up on such a – good veteran talent like Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard had one of his best seasons in a while last year with the Hornets, and when the Hornets traded him, I didn't get it either, but I guess, you know, they unloaded Mozgov to the Magic, but I didn't get that. I didn't get it. I mean, they're trying to keep Kemba Walker, and I think Kemba Walker will leave, and if they're trying to make him stay, I don't think trading Howard was the the first good move. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't good in the locker room or something, but... I, I didn't get the trade. I don't understand. Made. I'm but with you. Let's, let's go to the Wizards. I mean, now John Wall has a reliable center. Gortat, very good center, but he's not, like, the best. Now John Wall has, like, a little bit of a center talent. What do, you, what do the Wizards have in him? On the spectrum, I would rate Gortat as average, probably an average center. Mm-hmm. He's average. But then you get Dwight Howard, who is above average. And then with his presence, it will make other people above average. Their average. And this just allows John Wall now to have assistance when he's maybe struggling. He's going to pull down more rebounds than Gortat did. Mm-hmm. If you have to, dish it to Dwight. It allows you another solid option. I know they had a decent pick and roll game with Gortat. I think it could be even better now with Dwight Howard. This is a great, this is a great sign for the Wizards. Personally, I'm a big fan of Dwight Howard. He's he's a great center. He maybe not as good as he was in Orlando where he was an MVP candidate, but he's still a solid center. Very he, solid. Where he can do he does what he needs to do every night on the floor. Absolutely. He, he had his best season, like I said before, 
since I don't know what year, but since probably when he was with the Rockets. I mean, he's been struggling the last like couple years, really. I think really since he left Orlando, he hasn't had a good season. And now he he had a great season with the Hornets. Hopefully he can repeat with with the Wizards. That was a rebound near, no pun intended. But he, <laughs> he really rebounded well that year. Yep. <laughs> Devin Booker for the Suns. The Suns are a really young team as well. Devin Booker signed a five-year extension for $158 million. What this is, I personally love this signing. Devin Booker is the future. The Suns have had a couple steals in the draft. Marquise Chris, I think, was a steal from where he was picked. Devin Booker, especially, he was the 15th pick. Which I mean, Devin Booker, great player. He he reminds me, maybe not to like the extreme level, but he reminds me of Kobe Bryant in some way. Because just he's a pure scorer. He maybe the defensive end needs to work a little bit, but. The Suns also have DeAndre Ayton, which is a center that they need. The Suns, I think, possibly could make a run for that eight seed. Maybe not this year, but if they add a couple pieces and then this offseason and even next offseason, because they're a team that, I mean, they're not paying anyone bad besides Tyson Chandler. They're paying him a, a little bit of money, but they are. that's like the only bad contract they have, I feel like. I like the Suns, and I like what they're doing. They yeah. have young talent that if it grows like it should and that organization blossoms these players then they could be a competitor in their division they have booker chris jackson ayton these players with their track record which was solid and now their ceiling is so high now they just have to get there and when they're all there then they'll be a really good very good basketball team i think the only thing the suns are missing is like a reliable point guard because i don't like alfred payton personally to be that reliable point guard. They traded Eric Bledsoe last season because, I mean, he just really didn't want to be there. You could just tell. And they just need us. They haven't made the playoffs since the Steve Nash days in 2010. They have not made the yeah. playoffs. But, I mean, they're rebuilding pretty well. I mean, they. I think they I think they thought they had something when they had Bledsoe, but that just didn't work out. And so they, they kind of took it apart. And now they're building something up again, which is remarkable, I feel like. The Suns are doing a good job, and I feel like eventually they're going to compete in the West. Absolutely. I, I'm right with you. They've done a good job bouncing back. They find, they try to find a solution. Maybe it doesn't work. But then they scrap it quickly and then get someone to fill the void. So they do a good job at bouncing back uh, when they have an issue. Yep. Another free agent signing, Zaza Pachulia signed with the Pistons on a one-year $2.4 million deal, and the Pistons released backup center Eric Morland. I'm personally a Pistons fan. I know Ethan's kind of a Pistons fan. What do you have to say about this, Ethan? What do you what do you say about the signing? Not in love with it. Zaza Pachulia, what in my opinion was the worst starting center in the NBA. He lost his spot to Javale McGee, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah, he did. It's because he just does not perform, and it's just I'm sorry to say, he just straight out, flat out, does not has not been performing. On the offensive end or on the defensive end. He is a below-average center, and I, I saw future in Moreland. I saw at least a player that could be a solid second guy off the bench. Now right. I see Zaza Pachulia, and I'm, I'm saying, why? I'm just left with, mm-hmm. why? I didn't get this signing personally. Because I thought Eric Mullen, he's he's a really good defender for us last season. Maybe the scoring end is what he lacked. And I guess I the new Piston general management, Malik Rose, I guess he just thought, you know, I don't really like the way we're heading with Eric Moreland. And he released him. But Stan Van Gundy really left the Pistons with a very, very bad, like, hole. 
We have three max players. I think one of which is not deserving of that max. Reggie Jackson. He's definitely not deserving of a max contract. No. We still have him on the max. Blake Griffin, who I feel like I like the trade personally last season because I mean he's a really good player and I feel like he performed pretty well half for half a season. Yeah. And he, I he, think he did great when he uh, after he came over. He, yeah. he was a good player. And next season, I think the Pistons have a chance for the eighth seed. I mean, you lost the Cavs kind of because with LeBron gone. I personally don't think they can make the playoffs unless Colin Sexton has a remarkable season or someone steps up on that team. But I think the Pistons now are kind of in line for that eighth seed. But Zaza Pachulia, I'm not in love with the signing, but I don't hate it. Because Zaza Pachulia isn't a bad center. He, I mean, he's not a good center, but I feel like off the bench, he can do a little bit of work. All right. And I was really personally, like, shocked by this news. Tony Parker... A long-time Spur. He's been a Spur his whole career. Was part of the whole big three with Parker, Ginobili, Duncan. You know, you think of that. You think of Parker, you think of the Spurs. Well, Tony Parker signed a two-year, $10 million deal with the Hornets. I don't understand. It's like you build such a reputation and you build a name with an organization. Right. And that organization was the Spurs. And then you go... And now you're gonna play with the Hornets when your career is coming to an end. Right. I, I what mean, is he doing? What, I don't. I don't understand what's going through his head. Is this an? Uh, is this like a move from the front office to set up getting rid of Kemba Walker? I, I don't. I doubt it. I feel like. But the thing is, if I were Tony Parker, if I'm gonna leave the Spurs, I'm gonna go to a title contender. Like leaving the Spurs, fine. Well, you know, fine. But like we can't have everyone go to the Warriors. Let but, me just say right. that. But I would go to like a title contender, like maybe like the Lakers. Or, like, not the Lakers, but the, the Rockets. Come off the bench for the Rockets. Because I'm personally say this. Rockets did not have a backup point guard last season. Tony Parker would have been a perfect fit for the Rockets coming off the bench. But he signed with the Hornets. I didn't get that signing. I mean, personally, if I was going to sign with the Hornets, I'd just rather stay with the Spurs. Tony Parker, yeah. I, when I think of Tony Me Parker, too. I think of the Spurs. I think of that whole, like, five, five rings with the Spurs. Yeah. Not five rings, but four or three rings. How many he had? With the Spurs. I think of, like, when I, I think he won a finals MVP with the Spurs. Oh, he did? Yes, I think he did. And that's the thing. I think of the Spurs. Signing with the Hornets, I didn't get that. Like I said, if he was going to sign somewhere, sign with the title. I agree. I'm with you on that one. Okay, and I think we have one more free agency news. Zach Levine was offered a $78 million contract by the Kings, but since he was a restricted free agent, the Bulls matched the offer sheet and retained Levine. What do you like about Zach Levine, personally? And maybe, what do you think he would do for the Kings if, like, if the Kings could get him somehow? I like his athleticism. Right. I like his overall presence. He's that guy where I think he shines in big moments. You know, some guys just shine when the lights are brighter. I think he's one of these guys. He has been streaky, right? Came off, coming off of injury, on and off. Right. And he hasn't really built that name yet, right? We all know Zach Levine, but it's not like Zach Levine. Right. I want to be – and I think this is a great – if he goes to the Kings, he's going to be that front guy. Right. He is a, he's probably would be the only guy there that would actually be someone established. I mean, Marvin Bagley, the Kings just signed him. Well, okay, Levine won't be going to the Bulls any I mean to the Kings anytime soon. Correct. But what team do you think maybe Levine would be like a pretty good fit for? I mean, I can't really think of one off the top of my head, but I mean I think Levine, if you add him to some like pretty good team, he can be that. He team. would make it better. Right. You know, he's like 
it's just a little oomph. If your team is sitting just below the eighth seed, just below the like, if you want to bump yourself up a little bit in the rankings, he's one of the guys where he might net you a few extra wins here and there in the season. Zach Levine came off an ACL tear that he had with the Timberwolves and then was traded in the Jimmy Butler deal on draft night. And I personally loved the trade for the Bulls. I liked the trade for the Timberwolves. They got Jimmy Butler and all that. But I personally thought the Bulls, that was a very even trade. They got Laurie Markkinen, who's a wonderful player, wonderful stretch big. Zach Levine, who's a very good player. I just loved that trade personally from both ends. I thought it was a very fair trade. That's really it for the free agency news. I mean, I can't really think of anything else. It's been a really busy week or so yeah. in the NBA. A lot of stuff to evaluate, a lot of stuff to watch. So if you're really into the NBA, keep your eyes open. A lot of a lot of pieces will still fall into place. And I know we'll definitely be um, tuning in and watching and covering it, all of it. What? T- okay, so we talked about the DeMarcus Cousins signing. We did. Right? Do you think... The Rockets. I mean, I saw the Rockets last season in the Western Conference Finals, and I'm going to come out like this. If Chris Paul didn't get injured, we would have seen the Rockets win the title. Absolutely. Absolutely. They would have won the title. It's no question. Do you think the Rockets have a chance? I mean, I'd say the Rockets out of the best team to, like, do this. But do you think the Rockets have even a chance? I think they have a slim chance. I don't think Harden's going to be as good as he was this year. It's hard to repeat near perfection. Right. He was wonderful. MVP. So Chris I mean, Paul, I would like to see him there full-time. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, he's going to make them better. He did re-sign for four years, $160 million. And so, huge contract, right. which hopefully will lead to huge performance. I would like to – and they, they need to sign back Clint Capella. He is a perfect – Fit. He's a restricted. I mean, he fits I, like a glove. He's a free agent, so I think the Rockets are really. They got Chris Paul. They locked him up. I don't think that was the hard part. I think getting Clint Capella back. That's a big one. They need him back. And Chris Paul has been advocating for the Rockets to sign Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony will be parting ways with the Thunder, whether it be through um, getting paid over a long period of time or trade. What do you think? Do you think Carmelo Anthony going on maybe a pay cut to the Rockets is worth? Do you think that will? I not maybe propel them to warrior level but do you think that will help the rockets oh yeah this will propel the rockets to be knocking on the doorstep of the warriors come out did it, underperform last season though he underperformed with a cast that he was not appreciated with it was westbrook and george and adams and he was out of the spotlight he just got overshone by these players and he i don't think he was very appreciated and just looking at his body language and his physique he didn't look like he was performing or enjoying himself as much as he did prior years Melo's an isolation player he's he's a good isolation player and the Rockets are kind of known for their isolation style of play they just lost Trevor Ariza to the Suns and I think Melo would be kind of a good replacement for that I like I like if the Rockets get Melo I don't know how like I don't know how the Thunder are getting rid of him I think it's. I believe he got released, on, and he's going to be paid over a long period of time. Yeah. And for the Thunder, this helps. They, if they had him, they would have been paying a tax of one hundred fifty million. The wow. Like, they would have got. They wouldn't have really? luxury tax. Yeah, biggest NBA history. And they they took him back. They signed back Raymond Felton. But I didn't think Melo accepted his player option with the Thunder. Thunder, I don't think wanted him to, and so they got rid of him. And I think personally, that's a good one for the Thunder. I think that was. A, it's a good decision on both sides. Yeah. Carmelo, 
I don't think it's his time to be just he- heading down the drain. It's he's not there yet. Just look, I, I can see his skill sets, but he's I think Melo thinks he's still like a star, and I don't personally see that. He's not a star in this league anymore. He's a great player, and he's definitely going to be one of the great, best in NBA history. But he's not. He's not a star anymore, and I think he needs to realize that. I think he accepted his player option. He was making comments about how like not starting isn't an option, which isn't good. Which I think he needs to realize that he isn't like how he was in Denver or when he was with the Knicks. When he was that star and that it was all on him. Those bright lights in New York were on him and then the mountains of Denver were on him. Like, he can't do that anymore. He's not that player. And that's what I think he needs to realize. And if he goes to Houston, he, I think he'll still... He'll, I, think he, I think he realizes that now with the Thunder yeah. releasing. But I think going to Houston, perfect move for his career. And I think he's, he could get that ring that he, do, that he needs. And he, he fits the recipe of D'Antoni. It is like yeah. straight cut, perfect fit. They actually—he's an ISO player, he's a shooter, and he's just overall a good team player. D'Antoni did coach the Knicks in um, Melo's first season. He got fired. Yeah, but I think D'Antoni kind of redeemed himself. He had that Suns team a while ago that were always like on the, in the Western Conference Finals. He has this team now. He's he's never had a team that he's got to the NBA Finals, and I think every team he's had has been so close. But they're missing that one piece that could just maybe get him over that hump into the NBA Finals, and I think Carmelo Anthony could do that. D'Antoni is the father of the three pointer. He revolutionized the game of basketball. Yeah, he's he, he brought it to the forefront. Player. He was the first player. I think he was the first coach to kind of say, okay, you know what? We're gonna swing the ball around. We're gonna shoot threes. I think Steve Kerr. He kind of um. He did that with the Warriors, and I think that's where it first stood out. But D'Antoni was doing that a long time ago. He was doing that with the Suns. When he had Steve Nash and Marshall. His team, I think I I remember the starting lineup. I think I can remember. It was like Steve Nash, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion, and I don't know who their four was. They brought in Shaq. Yeah, they brought in Shaq. That wasn't really... But, like, when they were good, they had that, like, team. They had Roger Bell and Sean Marion and... Joe Johnson and all these guys. And these are all three-point shooting teams. And then they had Steve Nash, who's such a good point guard. He's a great passer. He's won MVP twice. And that's what the Suns did. They almost made it to the NBA Finals. Sadly, never did. And that's what helped. Yeah. And um, just looking at just where pieces will fit. It's such it's There's no really science to it. Right. We could look at the statistics, what people need, what they don't. But really, it's, do you feel comfortable? Do you enjoy the area? Do you enjoy your teammates? You and I know, like, when we're playing for our sports and our sports teams, that it's not just about, you need, this is your job, this is my job. It's about, can we collectively do our job as a team, win, have fun, and enjoy the presence of each other and just the whole atmosphere? And as, as people maybe don't want to say it, but location definitely plays a big part in where free agents are. Absolutely. Like, L.A., like, I think you would, everyone wants to live in that Hollywood atmosphere and that war, in the warm weather. I think, like, Houston, like, that's a good city to live in. I mean, it's warm, right? Yeah, it does matter. It's, it matters, and even, like, in the Floridas. I mean, that the team, the two teams down there, I mean, maybe the magic, I mean, the talent's not there, but they have that, like, they, I think when you can make a pitch to free agents, you can say... We li- it's Orlando, it's Miami. That and is if you're true. LA, you can say this is this is LA, this is Los Angeles. You're looking in like it's a bargaining chip exactly. that they can use. Absolutely, right. I am absolutely with you on that. Yeah, 
And, you know, that's why, you know, some players probably, like, that's why, like, you see these teams, like, in the North, like, in the Northeast, not, not the Northeast, but, like, in the Midwest. Like, the Bulls, they attract free agents because of the history. The Pistons, they don't get it. They have the history, but I think it also has to do with location. I think Michigan has some of the worst winters. We can both, we live in Michigan. Absolutely. And we know that the summers here are really, I mean, the winters here are awful. And I think that kind of does affect whether players want to sign here. And I was just just watching the Pistons games. It does not look like we have that, that f- the presence of that many like hardcore fans in I the mean, arena. Yeah, I, I, you see a lot of empty seats yeah, watching I mean, the, the seats game. Seats were red, so you saw all the empty seats. And I think it was on like, I think news people were talking about it. How the seats at Little Caesars Arena they were empty. Yeah. For both the Red Wings and the Pistons, and I think the Pistons especially because the Red Wings have the history. They made the playoffs for 25 straight years. Which is a remarkable Which record. is a record. And they won four Stanley Cups, and they have 11 Stanley Cups, I think, total. So they have the history, and so they're drawing in the fans. Although they're in kind of a rough patch right now, they're drawing in the fans. And I think they're, they're going to rebuild and probably get back on their feet in like the next two to three years. But the Pistons, they've been rebuilding for 10 years now. I mean, sadly to say, they haven't, they haven't made a good run at the playoffs since when they made the Eastern Conference Finals in the 2007-2008 season. And I think that year we played Boston and we lost to Boston. That was the last year I think the Pistons made. Okay, and that was the last year the Pistons made the playoffs. And that was the last year the Pistons made the playoffs competitively. They made the playoffs in um two thousand and nine when they had Allen Iverson, and um they lost in the first round to the Cavs and got swept. And then in two thousand um. Uh, what 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 year did we make the playoffs? Was it the fifteen sixteen season? Yeah, yeah it was I year the, so. It was a year the Warriors won seventy three games. The Pistons made the playoffs. We lost in the first round. And I think sadly we've been rebuilding for the last ten years, and it hasn't gone anywhere. I think we've gotten close. I think now we're at the closest that we've gotten in a while. Stamming Gundy, I think as much people want to talk bad, he definitely got a closer to ending that rebuilding. He did. He he did a he did an adequate job. He, he was wasn't the best, but definitely wasn't the worst. He did a he did a good job. I know we're focusing a lot about basketball in this uh in this episode, but really that's where um both of us can um excel. We we excel there and we find a lot of interest right now with all the free agents and the summer league. I don't know how that's been going. Yeah. I've been watching here and there, watching some of the big names that have been floating around and it's been, a, it's been a really entertaining uh, summer league so far in the G League. Ethan, I'm going to go to the World Cup for some soccer fans. The World Cup's been kind of heating up. Four European teams are in the um, final four of the World Cup. Ethan, I don't mean you don't particularly watch soccer, but we can keep track of it for those fans who love soccer. And like I said in the first episode, give every sport a try. Right. Watch it. Try to play it. Not every sport's for everyone. I get that. But it's like I'm not a huge fan of watching soccer. But I went and I subbed with one of my friends' team, and I played, and I had a great time. So just right. give everything a try. So France beat Uruguay 2-0, and Brazil lost, which I was shocked. I think Brazil, everyone knew they were a favorite coming into the World Cup to win it. Yeah. And they, they lost to Belgium, and I think Belgium's a pretty good team. Belgium and France, I feel like, are the two teams that have the best chance to win the World Cup. Because Belgium is a pretty good team. They have Eden Hazard, plays for Chelsea. Thibaut Courtois, who also plays for Chelsea. Two goalie, Thibaut Courtois, and Eden Hazard, who's a very good player. I know, Ethan, you maybe not know who these people are, but I, I kind of have an idea of it. Yeah, I am. England uh, beat Sweden 2-0. Okay. I think England... I know Sweden I, was pretty good, so... I think England was a bit of a surprise. 
Russia yeah. and Croatia. Russia was a really big surprise. They upset Spain in the last round. I personally wanted Spain to win the World Cup, and they lost in that shootout. Another shootout in this one for Russia and Croatia. Croatia beats Russia 4-3 in the shootout. And now the final four of the World Cup on Tuesday, July 10th, France and Belgium, the two teams who I think have the best chance. Very excited. Th- who do you think will win this game? I mean, I know you're maybe not keeping track, but, you know, just try to try just maybe predict who will win. You know, I don't watch much soccer. Right. But I do still find it interesting uh, in the World Cup that people are playing for nationalism and pride and just really the intense pride for their country, which gives soccer so much more meaning. When you see them play in this, their Premier Leagues and the La Liga, yeah, that's strictly for cash. I don't, I don't, I don't watch those, and I feel like there. Are, I'm sure there are the people who watch it, but I'm paying attention to the national stage. And personally, I don't watch soccer unless it's like the World Cup or maybe like a match or like maybe like Major League Soccer because I don't know. I like keeping track of that because it's a little bit more like. I'll tell you, I'll watch the World Cup when the U.S. gets in it. I'm, I'm counting on us. Oh, I'm, yeah. count, I'm crossing on. my fingers. 2022 in Qatar, so, I mean, <laughs> let's hope we can make it there. There we go. Fran- I think France will beat Belgium because I think France is definitely the best team left in the World Cup. I, I, I agree with you. I think France will. I'm going to predict they're going to beat Belgium 4-2. Four 4-2? To to four to I'm going to write that That's a, that's a big down. one. That's a big one. <laughs> All right. Croatia-England. I think this is kind of the side of the draw, which uh, – doesn't I don't I think whoever wins this it could happen but I think whoever wins this probably won't win the World Cup. I would give. I don't really know. I I don't know who I would pick in this one. Maybe England, maybe Croatia, but I'm I'm gonna give England the edge, and I, I'm gonna call the score this one. I think one uh, nil England. Really one nil. Yeah. So sh- sh- a very defensive game very defensive we're game predicting, games. and I think whoever is in the other side of the bracket will end up being the victor. Right. So I think France will. End up or whomever will win in that France game will end up beating either Croatia or England. One thing that's interesting is these are all European teams that are in the final four. Usually, I associate soccer with a lot of like European. South America and Europe, Central America, and then there's Europe. And these they're really they've been representing their um, their uh, continents and their countries very well. Well, that's it for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. It definitely means a lot to us. We deeply appreciate it with all our hearts. Talking sports is like therapy. This doesn't even feel like a work. And uh, the people who've talked to me or the people who've talked to um, Ethan, like friends and stuff who've given us feedback, you know, thank you to them. We really take that feedback and we try to put it in every episode and try to improve. We want to make this better every single time. Yeah. Our goal is just... To give you something to listen to and connect with wherever. Maybe you're in the car for an hour. Tune in. Lying in your bedroom. Tune in. That's really our goal is to just connect with people and give them information in the league from a perspective from a teen. Mm-hmm. It's really – it's all about that connection. And it's hard to do it through a phone mm-hmm. and through a screen but we try to do the best that we can to create that connection. The description I put in our podcast is um, a sports podcast made by two 10th graders. And yeah. I think that's that really just captures it. I love leaving it off at this kind of um, mark about um, character and yeah. what our goals are. Because to me, it's not all about sports. Yeah, Life is not all about sports. And kind of ending it off on this uh, more personal yeah. note is really important for me. Because um, I just love this whole kind of uh, 
hobby that we've created yeah. through this, and I'm having a great time. We're available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a lot of other platforms which Anchor allows us to um, go on. So thanks, Anchor, because Anchor, I mean, I love this platform. I've listened to a couple other podcasts that Anchor has produced. I love the platform. We will keep making it on Anchor. And that's it for you guys. Please tune in. I think the schedule we're thinking of producing is two a week for the summer. I think once the school year starts, we'll start doing maybe once a week. But I think twice a week will be what we're trying to aim for. Day for like what days, we don't quite know. But we'll definitely try to keep um, pumping these out as fast as possible. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to use some of the platforms that we're on. Yeah. To, uh, give us a review. I mean, on Apple or on Spotify, give us a review. Be honest. We don't. If it's a bad review, we, we know what to work on now. So please be honest. You. We greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you guys, and we'll catch you next time.